Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday at the end of May 15th, year 2023. So I started the show late tonight, 15 minutes. I said it was actually, I reposted the show start to 20 minutes after, but we got what we needed to get done by 15 minutes after. And that is that my new Simangus bull just came in. And it's pretty awesome. I don't mind telling you. He is one big boy. I'm telling you. I'll, send, I'll put some pictures up in Telegram tomorrow. But he is one big boy. And he was very happy to go meet all of his ladies. And they came to him like a big greeting party. He was like welcome wagon. One little moo out of him. And they were crawling up the side of the mountain up to see him along with all the calves. Like, man, daddy's home. So that was pretty awesome. So that's all done and ready to roll. So that's great and very, very happy because he's had a long day. He came up from, came down from near Pendleton, which is, uh, I mentioned it before, that's Anderson Land and Livestock. Great, great group of people. It's Terry Anderson that runs that and going to buy more cattle from him. One of the top breeders of Simangus in the country. And this bull, it, looks, it just looks great. And he's happy to be, like I said, in the field, out of the, I think he's pretty tired of riding all day and ready to be like eating grass and hanging out with the ladies. So, and they're, they're all over him. You, you would think this is like John Travolta walks into some place in the seventies as that sort of popularity. So he's probably signing autographs or whatever else he's going to do. And I guarantee you there is no gender confusion here. He knows who he is and they know who they are. So that's going to be a great experience for, for everybody. I'm sure. Patriots, one thing I want to bring to your attention is we have a new sponsor on the show, and that's CB Distillery, uh, which is a, features uh, hemp product, CBD oils. I'm, I'm really big on hemp. I think it's a fantastic product overall. There's so many uses for hemp. Sadly, what's happened in our time is that all the hemp movement, which is, by the way, legal to grow in 50 states. I grew some last year. And interestingly, too, that Oregon has some of the most advanced hemp seed developers up here. When I say that, they, they specialize in, they've developed uh, breeds of seeds specifically for certain things like fiber or CBD oil or other things, uh, oil for fuel. And hemp is just a great product. So CB Distillery, cbdistillery.com um, is a um, new sponsor. They're fantastic products. I've tried out some of their products. And I've been very, very impressed. Um, they are, uh, I'm, I have not had, I will tell you very honestly, I've not had great success with CBD oils in the past. And I've tried out a couple of their products and have been amazingly impressed. I was dealing with, as you know, I've been telling you quite a bit about some of the pain in my sciatica, which is getting better. But it has really made a substantial difference. And my mom has had some issues in her neck. And um, again, a great impact. So you need to check them out. If you use your Bard's code, B-A-R-D-S, go to CBD, CB Distillery, sorry, cbdistillery.com. The link is below the podcast. And you use your Bard's code, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to get 20% off. And they're great products. There's a lot to choose from. They have sleep aids. They have stuff for just overall mind clarity and body wellness. And they've got things specifically for pain. So I'd really recommend you check them out. I think they're a great company and a great product line. I think this is one of these things that fits extremely well into our seven pillars. We've, we're trying to move that direction, all of us, to where we're using the benefits and things that God gives us to truly heal our bodies and minds. We have, um, obviously, there's some, some of the supplement. The supplement we're pushing now is all a whole, whole food supplement, which is great. But this is another one of these to go into your kit to keep yourself healthy, keep your body in good shape and to help deal with the challenges of the modern world, which we know are crazy. So again, cbdistillery.com, check them out. Use your Bard's code, 20% off when you use it. Great value, great product line. I think you'll be very pleased. I know I am. So that's good. And I'll be using it for a while now. So this is good stuff. All right. So, you know, it's interesting as I watch the bull come in tonight and I'm, this is not anything new 
for anybody that's been around animals. But I say this because as humans, we just manage to screw things up so much. I, I literally mean that. We are constantly causing problems where we don't need to cause problems. The, the life of the animal kingdom is so much simpler than the, what we make life. And I don't think our life is expected or should be as difficult as we make it, but boy, do we work hard at making it complicated. And not only that, we do we make things complicated, then we cr- create the issues that create emotional pain and rift that literally divide us and keep us divided. It was really interesting just watching the bull come in tonight. He got out of the trailer and we just opened up the gate and he headed right into the pasture. And this particular pasture I've got him on right now is you know, it's roughly about, it's going to be subdivided, but right now that pasture is roughly about 40 acres. So they've got plenty of land up there. And there's about, between the calves and the, and the cows up there, we've got about 25 to 30 head up here right now. And I and I say that that with a little bit of uncertainty, only because we've just moved some stuff, and I haven't, I don't know where we're at right now at the exact number. But you know, he comes out and he makes one little call out to the other cattle, and they respond to him, and immediately it's a greeting and a welcome. For us, I think we we look at that and go, "Well, it's cows." But if you think about it, I mean, I've got Angus. Let's just talk about this in terms of the way we are as people. We have black and red Angus down here. And we have one black baldy in the group, and he's a sim Angus, a simital Angus. So if we want to talk the way we are talking this day and age, then we're talking mixed race, literally. And according to the world that we now live in and according to every fool that follows the narrative and believes in the narrative, we're not supposed to get along. We're supposed to all have unique identities and some sort of unique pronouns. And then we're all supposed to question our gender. And when you look at the way nature works, it's just so simple. And you have to remark at its perfection. You have to remark at its, there's a beauty in it. There's an elegance. And there is a respect. I mean, he is the bull, the man. But he's he's the bull. And even the little calves or steers are coming up to meet him. And I, he, <laughs> I, I, I love well built bulls. I mean, I, and you watch them, they just command presence. This one, by the way, I may have told you this story already, but when I, how I selected him. So when I went up to look at the bulls a couple weeks ago with the intent of finding one and Terry Anderson had taken me into the bullpen and there was about 20 plus bulls in one pen. They were his better bulls. And then he had another group of about 30 or so, maybe 35 in another pen. We went into this pen of 20 bulls. I'm going to tell you, honestly, that's a very, I mean, Terry's got great breeding and the the bulls are all just very good animals. They're not pets by any means, but I'm telling you, um, that's a very intimidating moment to walk in with probably 20 animals that range between 900 to 1100 pounds. They're, and they're big, muscly, well-built animals. And this particular one, as we were walking through, and his number on his tag was 11, I think it was 11.9 was his tag. I just found that interesting. It's a good number. And I didn't notice that at the first time. It was later that I figured that out. But the first thing he did was come up and start sniffing my boots. And then from there, um, wanted his head scratched. He was a good bull. And so... The animals themselves, um, well-bred, and then connecting to the herd, you really got to start to see an interaction that humankind should be that simple to work with, in my opinion. You know, our, our hatred for one another that has evolved, that is all manipulated. And the thing is, you can do this with animals as well. If you if you know how dog breeders work, they're awful. In Afghanistan, they had uh, dog fights, and they're legal. So, sort of, and then they have these massive hounds that they breed, and they when I say massive, they're they're like these hounds are like three and a half feet. Some are almost four feet tall. They're huge, 
and huge chests on them. So they kind of remind you of a cross between a like something the size of a wolfhound of, of England and then a something more stout in their chest like a pit bull. And they're an intense animal. And they are vicious. And they breed them by abusing them. And they get them and they abuse them and they abuse them so that these animals will fight one another. That's, that's our model. And that's literally what's happening to humanity is that we're being abused and people are allowing themselves to be abused. And then they release us into a ring and we just go after each other. And they, these psychopaths that run this world enjoy watching this, just like the breeder that does the animal, the dog that watches the dog fight another dog and enjoys watching the dogs fight and chew each other up. It, it's sick. And it, whether it's a pit bull breeder or whether it's those dog breeders, I just know those dog fights are big deals up in Afghanistan. Big money too, lots of money. And that's just remind you so much of how we are handled here and how we let ourselves be handled. The dog doesn't get a choice. He's captivated, he's captive, and he's abused, and he's kept in his cage, and he's, he's poorly fed, and he's poked at, and they just make him angry. We were on a um, patrol up in the Ruzgan province, and one of these dogs came bolting out towards the special forces team. And there was a team was split. I was kind of in the middle. One part of the team was on the left. The other part of the team was to my forward right. And it was just three guys to my forward right. And this dog came barreling at him. And the, one of the guys just quick drew and, and dropped that animal immediately. And the homeowner was, whatever you want to call it, homeowner, the landowner, whatever, at first was just, just upset. But not after he got paid. And they paid him some cash and walked on. But you can't trust those animals because they're so deeply scarred. And when I watched this tonight, it was just very peaceful to just watch a bull walk into a herd and watch how they encircled him and started welcoming him and greeting him. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, that's really the way we should be walking in the world and somehow, and we know why, we're not. Over the weekend, I was, and I was deep in prayer. God really put on my heart that we're in a period right now very much like Job. And that's, a, I think, a good way of framing some of the challenges that we currently face. I want to read Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house, each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up, early, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant, servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you made a hedge about him and his house and that he has on every side? Have you blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have been increased in the land? 
but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to stop there for a minute. This is a really amazing passage. And it shows something really profound if we really think about where we currently are. God is having a conversation with Satan and putting somebody's life at the hands of Satan, other than the fact that Satan cannot touch Job, but he can touch anything. And with this, we see a different reflection of the way God operates. I think we have a very sanitized view of God, like God doesn't test us, like God doesn't... God trusts Job so much, he's going to let Job suffer, but knowing that this suffering is only going to elevate Job into kingdom, but that his life here on earth is going to get very difficult, and God knows that, but he trusts in Job, doesn't give Job any forewarning. So we go on. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabines attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another also came and said, Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brick brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave me, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. I find this not only amazing in this story, but I find this so apropos for where we currently are. I just want you to take a, a Just walk with me on this vision of where we currently are right now. We have families that are losing family members. Not one, but sometimes every bit of family they have. We have stories that come in almost every day of people losing children, people losing their sisters, people losing their brothers, people losing their mothers, their fathers, their grandmothers, their uncles, their aunts. Some things are related directly to this bioweapon that we were, they were taking. Some things are just happening by the virtue of the times. And we're in this point where so much loss is happening. And yet, what we don't hear a lot of is we don't hear people falling to their knees and reciting Job. We talk about the pain. We hear a lot of discussion about enduring or not being able to barely endure. And this is not a criticism, but I want to make an observation. The lesson of Job is profound because Job understands exactly in these words that he says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. He understands that what we come in with, God has given and God can taketh away. And we don't always have to have the logic or the reason in it. And sometimes we won't get it. In this particular case, what's most amazing is Satan underestimated that. He didn't think that would happen. He didn't think that Job would be so mighty and so strong as to, as to be able to continue. 
And yet the suffering had only just begun. In Job 2, again, there is a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along among them to present himself to the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord, from roaming about the earth and walking around on it. And Job ends up losing his health. And so things continue to decline. But Job does not waver in one moment with his faith in God. And this continues in this process. I think it's an, it's an interesting place because I don't know that we really value this lesson in Job. And yet that's exactly as God showed me the other day is we are where Job was. That in this time of our existence, we are all being tested, would be a right term, to be able to find out truly where our heart sits. Some more than others. It's not equal, but that doesn't seem to be the way the world works. And in the not equal sense, there's, an unme- there's a higher measure of suffering that Job goes through because Satan wants to win a bet with God. He wants to prove to God that there's nobody that can endure this, that ultimately whatever God has created, they will turn against God because they're going to value their existence in the material world more than they're going to value their love in the Lord. But Job doesn't waver. It's a reminder of where we sit. A difficult time. This whole world is literally falling apart, and it has to, because in order for any sort of blessing to literally be placed back upon this nation, all things that are tainted, all things built into the structure of Babylon, all the corruption, all the evil that we've accepted as normal in our life must be brought down. The worship of money, which is greater than the worship of God, America will not come to its senses until it loses that which it values most. And what is it that it values most? It's the dollar, which isn't even a dollar. It's the Federal Reserve debt note. That is the only thing that will bring them to their knees before the Lord. And they will. When all of that is lost, you will find people on their knees praying to God, God, help me. I don't know what I did, what to do. And that's where they'll turn. Because in desperation, that's the only place they'll have to turn. And many will. Job didn't turn to the Lord in desperation. He turned to the Lord in humility. And as difficult as a place of that is, it's there that we gain the greatest wisdom. And I would even add the word wealth from the Lord. The trials that we come into this earth, and the more that I pray into this and look into this. I mean, I think really as we are being shown is that we have been put here in a mortal sense to live through the temptations of life of a mortal sense and to refine us in a spiritual sense as we struggle with the temptations of the flesh to try to rise up to be greater in kingdom. But what we are here, we live out through eternity. And Job understood that. And so now we're struck with a powerful wave, an ambush, which was launched by some psychopaths that literally don't believe that humanity can survive the wage, the rage of warfare that it has unleashed upon us. These psychopaths believe that we will bow and believe that humanity will bow. And their plan is already derailed. It's derailed massively. They expected and intended to wipe out humanity down to a level of about 500 million people. And they expected mass death around the world to be so severe that people would be in shock. And those that were left would be so compliant. They would just literally become walking slaves and test 
crash test dummies for their latest injection or whatever else they wanted to do. And obviously the long-term goal is to completely replace humanity and transition it to a transhumanist model. But things haven't been going quite right. Sure, there's a lot of these fools out here that are following that path of Satan. You see them in the transgenders. You see them in the triggered liberals. You see them in the people that want to bury their head in the sand and pretend that everything is okay. Different degrees, but all the same. You see those that are standing on the outside with enormous amounts of anger. But we don't see enough of the humble hearts. The fact of the matter is that we come into this world and no matter what we suffer, nothing we have here is going with us other than the wisdom and experience that we gain that refines us. And that is something I think we too often forget. Because we've been separated so much from nature. We are stewards of this earth. Stewards of what God gives us. And that means a, that's a huge responsibility. Back to the cattle. You know, this bull that came in tonight. That's a new responsibility. It's not just enough to just cast him out and forget about him. I know there's plenty of grass. I'm not worried about that. But it's a responsibility now to steward over these animals. We have one cow out here that's somewhat lame on her back leg. I think it's because she gave birth and she's still dealing with some issues in her hip. We've got to check her out. We've given her some space. This doesn't seem to be a hoof issue. We've checked her out before, but she's still running a little bit lame. And even though we can distance ourselves from some of that, the, to steward these animals, we have to treat them well and take care of them, just like anything God gives us to do. And if God decides to take it away, it's really not for us to question. And there's the big problem right there, because in this modern world, and why Job, I think the story of Job is so foreign to so many, is because we truly believe that our hands, our work, our labor is what produces the things that we own and have. And that's not the world in the real sense. That's the big lie. Everything we have, God provides. And he leads us. And there's different ways in which we acquire these things. But everything is just God's to have and God's to take. Or God's to give, to give. And when we put ourselves in that perspective, I think life takes on a very different form. It isn't that we don't feel lost. Let me be very clear because I'm not trying in any way to make, a, make an argument that somehow losing family members is an easy thing because it's not. And to some of the degrees of loss that have happened, I can't imagine the heaviness that, that much put on the heart. But I think if we keep things in perspective, of the way God works, we start to appreciate the fact that as God takes away, it's God who takes it. And I think that's an important piece. Now, I don't think in every situation it's God. I think there's some, obviously, Satan has his hand in a number of things. And I don't think that God intends for everything to be taken away. A newborn child, isn't? I don't think, is always an issue of it. It dies. I don't know that that's God's plan. This world is still brutal, and it's still run by the father of lies, though we should be in charge of it, in my opinion, because we've been given dominion, but we're still in a battle and a war. But as we kind of reflect on our lives and put things in proper balance and we start to detach ourselves from the ownership and possession of things, we start to realize that there's gifts that we're stewarding, everything, not just one thing, whether it's the pen that I'm currently holding in my hand, the iPad that's to my left, whether it's the house that I'm sitting in, the Jeep that's parked in the garage, whether it's the cattle that I have out on the field, whether it's the water or the grass. If we're understanding the origins of this, we're starting to appreciate that what is given is given to us to steward by the hand of God. And whatever reasons come about, 
I think the great thing for us to balance is, is that as we find the humility to understand that what God gives and he takes away, we open ourselves up to something even greater, which is a reward and a blessing that really doesn't have an understanding in a material world. It's a spiritual enrichment of wisdom. Our life here is amazing in the times that we live and the things we're, we face. And I think that in so many ways, especially the time in which we live, is likely the envy of many of those in heaven, those that are watching. It's a time where they're seeing, they're witnessing. It's the cloud of witnesses that watch how we perform in their legacy for what they themselves were striving for. And some, I'm sure, are heartbreaking to witness. Others are tragedy, the loss and the death. And still others, I would say there's probably excitement to watch a certain fight continue and an enemy be defeated. The enemy wants us all to feel defeated, every bit of us. The enemy wants us all to fear. The enemy wants us all to constantly be in a place where we are struggling to find our feet, struggling to find our purpose. The enemy wants us to feel broken. And if you look at how much effort they put into doing that, we start to understand in reflection of how great we really are. There's, all, there's a Job in every one of us. And the enemy knows that. And it's what they fear the most. And it's why they push a material culture. It's why they need us attached to material things. It's why they tried to shred the relationship that we have with God or our understanding of a higher order. They do all of these things to create a situation that then they can disrupt the economics, like break the economy. They can cause economic hardship. And they expect that the worship of things will break people. Again, we're in a Job moment, and it's very interesting because that's actually not what's happening. The difficulties of these times are driving more and more people to a relationship in Christ. And it's not necessarily taking the formal framing of, I'm going to get baptized and say some words. It may not be the way it's going. But I can tell you from the testimonies I get, it's amazing how many people are coming to Christ just through this network of people we have here. And that's literally spitting in the eye of Satan. Because this remnant, we just take Bard's nation as an example. And what is the stories that have been shared over the last three years in particular? Stories of families being broken, jobs being lost people having to lose their homes, people trying to reset their lives to follow our Father and the direction, having hard times at times making that come true. We have the physical death of people that have caused enormous trauma in people's lives. And some of these wounds have not yet healed. And yet, the core group of people in what we call Bard's Nation just gets deeper in their relationship in Jesus and to the Father. And that's literally spitting in the eye of Satan. Because he's being reminded once again that no matter what he does, he loses. And I see no downside there other than so much of that responsibility for victory rests on us. The narrative that is too pervasive is that, oh, Jesus, come take me away, or Father, take me away. But this is our home, heaven as in heaven as in earth. 
And really the bigger issue is how we rise above, not being taken away, but how we become overcomers to this time. The great thing about Job is he proves that he's an overcomer. No matter what adversity is thrown at him, he never deviates from his love and faith in Father because he figures that there's a, there's a reason behind it. He just accepts it more than anything. We tend to work in a logical sense now. We want to know why. Why are you doing this to me? How come you chose me to do this? And it's interesting how if you think about the way we frame this, like God is doing this to me. Well, that would be a pretty vicious God, wouldn't it? God loves us immensely. He also trusts us immensely. And he also knows that this is a vicious world. And it's our stalwart eyes on him that continue to bring us in through all of this. As we move through this walk, and it is an amazing walk we're on, we're pulling ourselves out of the mind control trap of this Luciferian world. And the more that we do and the more that follow, the less control they have and the more their system falls apart because in spite of the millions and trillions of dollars, literally trillions of dollars is more accurate, that they spend to keep people focused on all the wrong things, the material obsessions, the sexual obsessions, the power obsessions, the worship of money obsessions, the vanity obsessions, the vanity obsessions of how we look. Those industries are everything contrary in our modern world to what God wants us to be. The feeling of inferiority, the feeling that we don't look good enough, the feeling that, and then to that, they add all those other layers of like the great things like they put in food to cause obesity, the things they do to the water to try to diminish the, the ability of the, the brain to function. Everything is about degrading us. And yet, they're really not doing a good job at it. They're trying. They're working overtime these days. They're throwing everything they can at this fire. Trying to get kids to mutilate themselves. And there's always going to be the crowd that is so buried deep in the matrix or just functionally retarded that they're going to do the wrong thing. But again, it gets back to that remnant. And it's like Gideon's army. God only needed 300 to destroy the entire invading force. And this remnant's role, as I see it, continually just continues to rise. People that don't understand the relationship in an intimacy with Jesus don't understand how it is that we can detach from our obsessions of the material things. In the end, I would argue, and I think I'd be right, that if God swept through the majority of just taking Bard's nation, I think what would be discovered is that the majority of, if Lucifer swept through the majority of Bard's nation and took everything like with Job, I think Bard's nation would still find laughter. We'd still find joy in the Lord. We'd still find our power in prayer. And we still hold stalwart to our rock of faith. There are people in our community right now that are really hurting. They've lost, they may had some big losses in their life. And I was just watching some conversations earlier with someone in particular who's on my heart tonight. That would be Bob 1462, if you know him. And he's lost both his sons. The story of Job doesn't take away his pain. But what does help, and I've seen such an amazing outpouring tonight of prayers and reach out to him both in our telegram room and both here in chat. And whatever's brought that about, it really shows a deeper love and appreciation for a human being. It transcends anything physical. And we do the best we can to try to relate to a pain and suffering that's unmeasurable. And it's that sort of difference 
in the world that we can make where we can literally help somebody through a very difficult moment until they find their feet again in their relationship with God. There is no taking away another person's pain. And in many ways, there is no understanding a person's pain. We can relate, but we really can't consume it or understand it. I'm going to speak of Bob here a minute because he's been given an amazing gift. And he's an amazing guitarist, guitar player. And he was, he had his own recording studio. A lot of that got dashed with the loss of his first son. And then unbelievably, he lost his second. And I saw something posted earlier, which I'm going to share because it was in the previous post and it's because Bob posted it publicly. I'm going to repeat it, but he received the guitar he had given to his most recently, his son who passed most recently, he received it back today. Those are hard things. And this is what I really feel God is saying, and I'm just going to share it. You know, there's something that an artist did in Portland once that I saw. It was a very interesting painting, very compelling, big. It was about four feet by eight feet. And the title was, The Only Way Out is Through. So, Bob, you need to play the guitar. And you need to find the way through by letting the music and the gift that God gave you with your fingers touch those strings and make it sing. It is a time more than ever that we as a community have to continue to look out for one another because this ravage of death is not over. And for each person that endures a death that can turn to the Lord and use the talents that they have, they become an agent, a person, a voice, a pillar, a rock for somebody else that hasn't gotten there yet but may very well have to deal with something as difficult or more so. Our optics on this fight have to be very different, and it can't be personal. Iron sharpens iron. And really right now, what we're learning and what we're seeing is as we go through these losses and pains, each one is becoming stronger to help another. I don't know what's coming. I don't know if this thing is going to blow over like a quick windstorm or if it's going to dig in like a hurricane followed by a tornado and an earthquake. But I tend to think it's going to get pretty rough. And I tend to think we're not near the end yet at all. And even if things do turn rather quickly, it's still going to take years to reset this nation back on its feet in a moral foundation. The amazing thing about breaking somebody or breaking a nation is if there's the right community around them, their love in the Lord grows even deeper. We have to prepare ourselves through helping one another for what is to come. And what is to come is going to put a lot of burden on each one of us But if we're declaring the authorities we have, if we're listening to what God is guiding us to do, if we're seeing for fact how we do have authority to heal, cast out demons, raise the dead, and do greater works than he, while passing the word and sharing the love of the gospel, we're beginning to understand the true depth of the tools that we have in this war because it's going to be needed. Those that are suffering this pain, sadly, many of them probably, when I say the pain, the the consequences of the death shot, many of them may potentially be healed. But we have to be bold enough to lean in now with a forgiving and loving heart and declare the authority of healing. 
And we have to be bold enough to pray to God for the things that may seem impossible by the world that we see, but reminding ourselves that nothing's impossible for our Lord and our, and our Father. There's a lot of unlearning we have to do because the people that rule this world fear us. They fear us mightily because they know who we are. We're still relearning that little lesson. They understand very clearly that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. They understand what that means. They tremble at the word Jesus. And we cast it around like a cheap rag doll. They do their rituals to cause pain to the Lord. That's why they choose young ones, to try to hurt our Father. And we sit on the side and wring our hands and say, what can I do? They destroy the unborn to prevent the gift of life from coming in, and they revel in it because that blood sacrifice in their eyes gives them power in the material world. And yet, they fear the contracts that they themselves have made. They fear what will become of them in death, and so they chase eternal life. And whether that's through adrenochrome or whether that's through AI implementation to try to upload their consciousness, whatever they're doing in these various technologies is because they also fear the contract that they made with the father of lies. We sit too quietly in this walk. We're too passive in this walk. We're too unconscious in this walk. God is giving us each the gifts and the experiences that come before us that will be needed. Every one of us has a place and a purpose. Every one of us must be hardened and sharpened and refined. Every one of us has a place on the battlefield. Every one of us needs to learn to hear our Father, to seek His face, to have the intimate and personal relationship with Him that's undeniable, and to trust in where He places us. Those pains in our heart become the mightiness of the sword that we wield. Those barriers, those things that we overcome like impossible barriers, they become the strength for others to witness as they suffer similar or even worse things themselves. So no matter where you are, no matter where each of us is, there's always more to give to one another and there's always a deeper place that we can go with our Father. The one thing that's clear is in spite of all of these loss and all of the challenges that we face, each one of us is being given a Job moment. And in that Job moment, it's truly the question of how we will respond. Will we fall to our knees and say to the Lord, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we come together. We're blessed to be here and assembled. We're blessed to share these times and this fellowship together, knowing that iron sharpens iron, and that each one of us has an opportunity to raise up another as we strengthen ourselves. Father, we don't always understand the challenges placed before us or the pains that we suffer. But one thing we can be assured of is that as you give, you can take away, but it always, in this life, we're being refined for greater mission and greater purpose. So, Father, for those moments where we've stumbled, forgive us. For those places and people that are needing support, let us find that and extend our heart and our hand to raise up another. In those darkness where we often face the father of lies, let us call the name of Jesus to cast it out. 
and to strengthen our base. For the pain that we suffer in our heart for loss, let us honor those that we're mourning for and celebrate that with life. For the gifts and the talents that you give, let us pursue those gifts and talents with the greatest level of perfection to honor you and to praise this world as you intended us to. And above all, Father, may we never bow, may we never quit, may we never hesitate, but to continue to be overcomers in a world that seeks to crush that and try to develop a sense of fear and brokenness. That's simply the hand tricks of the father of lies. Let us rise and let us be the reminder for so many that no matter what is put before us, we are the sons and daughters of you, the Most High. Guide us in these times. Let your wisdom flow through our hearts. Let the fearlessness embolden our spine. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, I hope you have a very blessed evening. I snicker as I say that because I think my bull is going to be very happy tonight. Whatever that means, we'll find out tomorrow. May we all have a life as easy and simple as the bull. That would be good. Have a blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in.